0: Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. Before they were legends of Outlaw Country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of Outlaw Country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision and her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Hey, y'all. Today we're bringing you part two of Rick Rubin's conversation with producer Kenny Beats. On last week's episode, Kenny broke down how regional sounds in hip-hop have spread across the U.S. and connected disparate cities. Since his first conversation with Rick, Kenny's star has continued to rise. In the past couple of years, he's produced songs with Ed Sheeran, The Baby, Van Staples. He's also taken several trips to the U.K. and produced over 30 songs with British artists like FKA Twigs and Slow Tie. Today, Kenny explains how, for the first time in the history of hip-hop, an American subgenre made its way across the pond to the UK, only to come back to the United States in an updated form that is now influencing American rappers. Kenny and Rick also talk about why they don't care to understand English rappers' slang and how a group of German classical musicians are co-producing some of the biggest hip-hop records today. This is Broken Records. Liner notes for The Digital Age. I'm Justin Richmond.
1: Here's Rick Rubin and Kenny Beats.
2: How you feeling, man? I'm good. Long time no see. Everything been good? Been good. Staying hidden, working hard. Let's talk a little bit about UK hip hop. Yeah, one of my favorite topics. What do you see going on? Well, I think something happened since the last time we talked about this subject that has never happened in the history of hip-hop, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the UK were influencing the US in such a way this year that we had never seen an RIP Pop Smoke, but one of the newest, hottest artists in the world is making beats that he looked up on YouTube under UK Drill or UK Trap Beats or UK Grime. He was looking for Beats that sounded like stuff from over there. So he could bring something to New York that was completely different. But the weirdest thing about this is that drill, what's going on right now in the UK, like in the streets, unarguably what they refer to that sound as, that comes from Chicago. So there's this weird lineage of like the Chief Keef era, the Young Chop era, the Chicago era that like happened in like 2012, even before Kanye got on Don't Like with Chief Keef, that whole time was such an influential area production-wise, like time production-wise with like Lex Luger and all these people programming stuff very different. And to see the UK kind of take Chicago, make it their sound, and then it come back to New York and break artists with that sound. Like I did a record this year for uh, Favi, who is like one of Pop Smoke's biggest collaborators, another Brooklyn Drill artist, great guy. And it's like, I'm doing... Beats inspired by UK producers that were inspired by American producers, but the UK influence this year has been undeniable.
1: And I think that's the first time in history that's happened in hip hop. Ever. Yeah. I always felt like it was going to happen. I thought it was going to happen even going back to Def Jam days, just because of the history of the blues in the United States, and then the excitement of the British invasion, where they would listen to American sounds. And because of the distance, they had a, a romantic image of it yeah and they took it to an extreme that anyone who was doing it like any of the real bluesmen would hear what led zeppelin did and think it was garish you know it was like it was too much totally but because of the distance they could take something that might not be cool for the people who invent it and take it to some new extreme that seems too far out for the people who have a clear vision of what it where its starting point is And take it to a new extreme. So the fact that that's finally happening in hip-hop is an exciting thing. It it gives us potential for things to grow in a deeper, faster way.
2: It it opens American hip-hop and just American artists to saying, we don't know, let's take influence from somewhere else. It opens up an unlimited world instead of saying, we started this, we run this, here's how we dictate the pace. Once we say we're open to these ideas and these other sounds and types of production and tempos or whatever it might be, yeah, it makes better music for everyone. And it creates some of my favorite bands and music and other genres too, that same concept of like, there's this whole Thai funk thing that happened in the seventies and eighties. And I, I, I'm not up on it enough to explain the artists and this and that, but what I understand is The Meters and this whole funk movement or whatever that happened in America influenced people in Asia. They started making all these records years later that, like you're saying, are exaggerated versions of all this funk stuff that was going on here. And then now one of my favorite bands these days is a band called Krungbin. And you ask them what their influences are. They're a band from Houston, Texas. They say, well, we listen to old Thai funk music. Amazing. But those Thai funk records were them trying to make American funk records from 20 years earlier. And it all... Becomes almost untraceable unless you're really trying to do uh, your research, you know.
1: Yeah, it, but it just goes through the filter of the new person making it. The influence doesn't always show so clearly in the in the new creator. Yeah. Let's talk more about drill music. Would you say 2012 ish is where where it got got rolling?
2: Yeah, I'm not. The, I can't. I can speak even more on the UK side of it than the Chicago side of it. But yeah, definitely. Like it was early. Um, like G Herbo, Chief Keef, all this Chicago stuff that was influencing the UK that came back around and influenced everybody here. But like, let me, let me think of a good record to play. Is
1: it as popular in Chicago as it was then?
2: No, it's not. It's a sound that kind of um, came and went. It was like, it's a very specific kind of hi-hat pattern to drill shit. It's this very specific kind of bounce with the drums. It's, It's, it's got this it's whole different kind of swing and the accentuation is like it only it almost leans more to like an Afro-Cuban thing and something than it does to like a two four rock thing. That I think trap is like the hardest rock drums turned into breakbeat drums, turned into blah blah blah, you know, and now we get trap and now we have these huge 808s. But the dr- drill has these different kind of polyrhythms and little play
1: play a good play a good example of a classic drill, Chicago
2: drill. Chicago drill. Um no, a couple niggas that's down the raft for a
0: homicide when it's drama time. Run up on a nigga with the llamas flat, leave his love ones all traumatized. 150, I'm really with it. I'll drop his ass and then forget it. A man. Yeah,
1: it's really interesting how the the percussion pattern, how the A-B pattern of the percussion part feel like they're both halves are leaning in a different direction. Totally. So it doesn't seem like anyone would ever play it that way.
2: No, and you have this 2-4 thing. There is a snap or a clap or a snare normally that is one... Two, three, four. It's on those normal rhythms where you expect the clap, but the it, what dictates the rhythm is that t- 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 that's much more what you're going to dance to or move to or rap to or write to, I think. And that's what has been mangled and changed and turned into a million other things over the last few years. But it's really this movement that happened in Chicago first And it obviously influenced even the radio here to the point where Kanye and Pusha T and all of good music are getting on a Chief Keef song and blah, blah, blah. It's this local niche thing that got bigger and bigger and bigger. But I think the UK to this day are such fans of what we do. And they pay so much homage and have so much homework done before they even speak on the UK stuff. And we don't do that vice versa. We don't give them the same respect to talk about like their legends and the grime legends. And you know what I mean? People like Dizzy and Kano and like all, all these type of people that have so much respect there that we just see as like, Oh, UK thing instead of all these different iterations of what it's been. But when they saw what we were doing here with drill, you hear G Herbo talking about um, drilling in, in the song. You know what I mean? It's, it's a, it's a concept. They took that and they ran with it. And now we're in 2020, eight years later. And it turned around and came back to us and, we have artists here Googling tight beats of UK producers to get their sound and then they're covering the radio and then Travis Scott's getting on their songs here. It's insane. And it, it goes back to house music
1: coming from Chicago and turning into EDM in the UK, essentially. Yeah. That intercontinental, when it goes back and forth, there's so much room for growth. Like you get to hear, you get to hear it through new ears when it comes yeah. back, you know?
2: Definitely. And I think my almost misconception when I first got there was this is something that you guys are doing that when I come here and get in the studio with artists, I shouldn't try to make drill beats or play drill beats or, you know what I mean? Get in on this UK thing. Because my first trips to the UK working with a lot of artists, I didn't want them to think that I'm coming over here while you guys are having your first influential moment and trying to be a part of that to make myself seem more authentic to the root of it. It was more like, oh no, I just recognize how talented these artists are. And I want to see what they do on not drill stuff. You know what I mean? And I released songs this year with, with Slow Tie, with SL, with H, with Heady One, with so many different UK. I was, I was Stormzy. And then I also have released songs with Ed Sheeran and <laughs> James Vincent McMorrow and all, Twigs and a whole other side of the UK. But when I went over there, it was much more about, let me show you guys what I can do, not let me co-opt your scene But then I started playing drill beats once in a while and they'd lose it. And it was like, oh, you guys are not the one who are gatekeeping whatsoever. It might be us a little bit. But when I say us, I say that lightly because I'm not from Chicago and I'm not part of the originators, but America as, you know what I mean? Just like this this hip hop institution, we're kind of being accepting and it's showing in the radio and it's showing an influence in the production. And that's a beautiful thing to me.
1: Yeah, I had a conversation the other day with Scarface from the Ghetto Boys, and he was—we we were talking about when, when I first heard the Ghetto Boys, they were really the first Southern rap group that I heard. You know, we heard New York was really everything for a long time. Then you start hearing some some music coming from the West Coast, and it sounded different. And in New York, we didn't really like it. And then Ghetto Boys was pretty early in the, you know, not from the East Coast and not from the West Coast. The only, the only maybe uh, thing before that might have been Luke. And I think of Luke more as a party, more of a party thing than like real rap. You know, I don't think of it as like, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't, They never took it seriously as rap music. I thought of it more as like rock the party. Yeah. Whereas Ghetto Boys was more like, you know, hardcore rap.
2: Wasn't Def Jam initially rock the party? Wasn't that the origin? Or was it just make it feel like what's going on outside?
1: It was more like, yeah, make it feel like what the club feels like. But it wasn't necessarily rocking the party because it wasn't really a the early hip hop scene wasn't really necessarily a dance scene.
2: It's true. Yeah. And like pub- public enemy is not like rocking the part. Yeah, that's true.
1: No. And, and most people didn't dance, you know, like there'd be break dancing, but that wasn't so connected to the music. It happened during yeah. the music, but it wasn't necessarily to the beat. You know, it was a different, totally. it was just a different thing. It was simultaneous more than
2: inspired by the music. But Luke and Miami and Booty Bass and 2 Live Crew, everything was about make people shake what they have, make people go fucking crazy in the club. And, you know, like Benny Blanco's, like one of the first things that he did that went super crazy was this project with Spank Rock that was sampling a shit ton of 2 Live Crew. He's one of the biggest pop producers in the world right now. You know, like this happens in so many areas, but with Ghetto Boys... Look at that, where that lineage ended up. Mike Dean was helping engineer some of those records and working on some of that stuff. And now he's working under the Travis, you know what I mean? The biggest records in the world, all the stuff you're hearing now. It's like, there's so many things that we're paying homage to without even knowing. And that's myself included. And But I think that's the beauty in it. And oh my God, I saw something the other day, Rick. I almost had to text you because I was freaking out. <laughs> I felt so old and I felt so like, I'd had my finger off the pulse for a second. It killed me. I was on Twitter and Timbaland was the number one trending topic on uh, Twitter. Shout out to Tim. And I go, oh, they're probably just giving him his flowers. There's this thing every once in a while where just a producer, an artist comes up or someone has a birthday and everyone talks about all the songs they love that made them feel so great. Timbo was the number one trending thing. And I went to go see what was trending. Was it his birthday? Was it about a song? Was it an Aaliyah thing, Missy thing? people were saying, exposed, Timbaland stole these old Indian records for all his biggest songs, Big Pimpin', and then they show the Indian song it came from, or the Bollywood sample, or whatever it might be, then they show an Aaliyah record, they show this, and TikTok was going nuts, saying, no talent, and you're exposed, and we found this out, and da-da-da, and blah-blah-blah, and it's like, are you guys losing it? Am I losing it? Like, some of my favorite records of all times are loops of, of old of old samples, like let alone adding something. Like Timbo. That's what hip-hop
1: is. Hip-hop is taking from existing things and montaging them together to make something new and that something that you've never heard before. It's always been. That's what DJ culture is. DJ yeah. culture starts with records.
2: Kids were freaking out about just the idea of sampling, just the concept, like showing an Aaliyah song and then showing the sample like they like they had discovered some, you know, great whale of like a secret, but it was, it was so crazy to me because like I'm, I'm having this moment right now of, of sampling so much again and getting back into it. And it, a lot of it came last year randomly. And then doom's passing uh, RPMF doom has really just thrown me back into it. So to see that I'm going the opposite way and sampling more um, and, and, people on the internet were taking it like that it really threw me for a loop for a second i had to get off twitter for a minute (laughs) that's
1: crazy Crazy. well just it really is
2: just a misunderstanding or um or times change times definitely change but like it's it's weird for me to see on the side of it where i'm producing records now that sample these guys who've been through hell clearing samples or even with the recognition of people calling you out for taking a record or whatever it is, when people are getting paid behind the scenes and everything is fully worked out. Like, I literally, I I saw people, they tore down James Blake. James Blake tried to tweet, if you want to know what Timbo did to the sample, try dancing to the original. You think people in these countries couldn't dance to these samples before Timbaland? It's like, okay, (laughs) we understand. We know, we know, we know that. And I I know James probably would have reworded it if he could have, but like, it, it, it was just crazy to see how people were perceiving that when that's like the root of why I love doing what I do. And when I sample these guys, when I've sampled Pharrell, when I've sampled Timbo, when I've sampled these huge records that they've done for artists I'm working with, Rico Nasty said, I want dirt off your shoulders. And I was like, okay, we can do something like that. And she's like, no, I do that. And I was like, all right, I, I can say, I don't feel uncomfortable saying they were so fucking cool about clearing shit. Of course. And about, Whatever like percentages or whatever back like back end bullshit there is. They were all so cool. And I've dealt with that firsthand. So to see like what Pharrell has gone through with Marvin Gaye or what Twitter's just going through, even in just perspective right now, like it was wild to me because I wouldn't have got into half of the really interesting music or cultural things I know about if it wasn't via sampling. Like if, if people thought I was gonna be listening to Sun Ra without Madlib, there's no way. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's what's helped me understand so many cultures and so many things that I should be paying respect to and that I should be speaking on. And it's the, instead of the opposite, which people think it's like you're trying to hide this stolen, you know what I mean?
1: It's exactly the opposite. It's always paying tribute. And of course they're cool about when you do it because that's what the culture is built on. It's like they, they built their culture on it. And they they if you understand how it works, that there's this pool of in the in the old days, like the Beatles would listen to Roy Orbison, and then they would learn the guitar parts like Roy Orbison. And then they'd either speed it up or slow it down, and then they'd make it their own, or a Chuck Berry song, and then they would make it into their own song. That's what sampling is. It's, it's now we do it without instruments. We sample and speed it up or slow it down or loop it or chop it in a particular way or combine several pieces together or pick a very tiny little piece of a piece of music that's not representative of the other of the entirety of the music at all. You know, most breaks are not representative of the thing that they're a break of at all. Yeah, it's like there's a song and there happens to be this moment in the song, that you find a way to flip and make it into something new. But it has nothing to do with the original song more often than not.
2: I always found it so interesting how how big that that mountain break was, Mississippi Queen. Because mountain is like such a hard Southern rock group. It's such a like, it's almost like a Leonard Skinner level Southern. You know what I mean? But Mississippi Queen is one of the most used like vocal samples and sample packs and like and when people say like oh I want that like that that he's this vocal scream thing it's like a a lot of that is from like these rock records in the 50s and 60s and stuff like the the break ended up being like the hardest rap thing you ever heard you know it's like that's that's what's beautiful about it to me because that's what gave me so much of like my history and my background was finding shit through other shit you know yeah
1: the, the guitar player from Mountain just passed away within the last couple of weeks, Leslie West. Sad, sad to hear Yeah.
2: Oh, man, RIP. I saw him live at the Ridgefield Playhouse with my dad at 12 years old. It's crazy.
1: One of the greats.
0: One of the greats. Yeah, really. We'll be back with Rick Rubin and Kenny Beats after a quick break.
3: Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. Terms and more at AppleCard.com.
0: Snagajob is where America goes to hire, with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs, on demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position, Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, job's got a worker for that.
3: and scale to handle medical advancements like robotic surgery and virtual reality for training and research this was worlds away from how they had previously operated this innovative work hasn't gone unnoticed first by patients but also by their peers boston children's was a first place winner in the industry category at last year's unconventional awards from t-mobile for business an event that celebrates customers Who've dared to innovate for the sake of innovation. If the Boston Children's Story rings a bell with you, if your team has asked the same questions about building a better business solution, I encourage you to enter this year's awards. It's a great way to be recognized for smart disruptive thinking in front of some of your industry's most influential leaders. You can enter at tmobile.com/slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com/ slash unconventional awards. I'll save you a seat. We're back with Kenny Beats.
1: So since drill has moved on in Chicago, has anything replaced it in Chicago?
2: I think Chicago's kind of always set trends, but I don't know if I can say there's been a specific niche genre like drill to come from Chicago or really anywhere that's influenced the world and come back the way that has like Chicago's evolved so much. And like little Dirk is on the newest Drake single. You know what I mean? And like little Dirk comes from exactly the era I'm talking about. And the video shoots in the middle of some house in the middle of some part of Chicago that people don't want to go to. And that was like this cool thing on YouTube that turned into influencing the charts that turned into now huge artists, huge legitimate artists. And like, there's still someone every single year Coming from Chicago That's influencing people In a major way The last time I was like Blown away By someone from Chicago Was Valet Valet was so unique And so singular And different to me When he came out Play us a great Valet track Oh that's so easy I do 60 rats And he came back I was getting Some that from a net Gave a brain back Please don't ask me If I'm done With your bitch No not yet His pocket The simplicity Like Great how brash he is but as much as valet is influencing people in a way that a lot of artists i will tell you will not speak on how much they listened to his shit at the time he came out and how much it was influenced them but like juice Mm -hmm. world is chicago r.i.p juice you know who's bigger than him on the charts like who influenced more kids than that you know him and x and peep and all this stuff like chicago is part of every historical Hip hop era that I can remember since I was really young in some way, but I feel like drill is one of those things that it's like will represent the Chicago hip hop sound the way like 90 BPM breaks represent hip hop the way like a, a battle cat swing can represent the West Coast. I think it's it's something that is singularly theirs, and it's crazy because so much of the other things I just mentioned happened early on in hip hop within the first 10, 20 years. You know what I mean? That people found like this dictates the South, these kind of 808s and these kinds of drum patterns. And you know what I mean? What, what three, six mafia did from what ghetto boys did and from blah, blah, blah. And then the the East coast was like the sampling thing. You know what I mean? And then Chicago and like Detroit and that whole area, like you have Dilla and you have all these people right in this other area of the country that created so much stuff, but Street shit in Chicago has never been represented and respected around the world the way I think drill was because how often can you say a whole other country has most of their biggest hits in a genre because they were listening to us? It's crazy.
1: Amazing. Now, has grime moved on in the UK or is grime still, has it switched?
2: In my mind, when I get in rooms and the concept of grime or just the topic of grime comes up, I've had like, an AJ Tracy or a Skepta or certain people like stop the conversation in their tracks and make sure like everyone's putting their respect on those like forefathers, you know what I mean? Kind of like UK hip hop and what they did and how that led to everybody now who's having so much success. And on the other hand, I work with really young artists in the UK. I work with kids in high school, you know what I mean? And like H is someone we put out a record this year. I really love, and he never really listened to grime never really was on it like that, and says, like, maybe he did at one point, I might be misspeaking, but he said, none of my friends listen to it now, and no one's on that, and he said it out loud, and he's also a white kid who raps, so they're going to get at him regardless, you know what I mean? And he spoke on, yeah, to be honest, me and my friend's really not listening to Grime, we, ne- we have never really were on it like that, I just make the music I make, and because he's a, such a successful drill artist and big rapper there, people were shocked by that, but Vince Staples said, I don't really give a fuck about old hip hop and people l- lost it. You know what yeah. I mean? And like, I think it's hard for people to understand that we're fucking old now or like you're old now or whoever it is is old now. Cause these kids don't necessarily have to understand where to pay homage or it doesn't mean that they won't at a point. For sure. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter.
1: It's like if, if somebody makes something new and great, I'm all for it. <laughs>
2: Yeah, exactly. So whenever they set people up to, for those questions, like you're a young person making a young subgenre, and they go, well, how do you feel about all these forefathers? That it's like, if you were born in 2000, you probably don't know about them, you know? And that's fine, because you are making great fucking music, and I'm sure at a certain point, it's going to be interesting for you to, to go back and look at that. And if it's not, fuck it, who cares? <laughs> do you want to play an example
1: of the UK drill that's going on now?
2: Yes, I would love to.
1: And then we'll compare that back to a grime track just just for the difference in sound from the UK.
2: Okay, let's do it. This is someone that I just put out some music with recently. We got some more stuff coming. Uh Hetty won mm-hmm. running shit in the UK. You can't tell me different. You can't tell anyone different. Drake went over, did a video with him this year, I did a song with him this year. Drake's done stuff with Skepta. He's done stuff for an artist called Dave. He's come over there once in a while, but you can tell like Hetty's influence and really like how crazy different he is kind of in the drill scene, but how much he's kind of one of the front runners that people can understand in America and really latch on to. But here's a heady song
0: called Both.
2: He said, I'm the king of drill. I'm the king, he said.
1: (laughs) It's great.
2: You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna leak some unreleased heady right now just because it's broken record and why not because we can. Let's do it. Hold on. This is some <laughs> stuff being heady made recently.
0: ready for that on that Just one I signed that contract.
1: So good. So good. Broken record exclusive, exclusive, exclusive,
0: exclusive, exclusive. <laughs> we'll be back with more from Kenny Beats after a quick break. Snagajob is where America goes to hire, with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs, on demand, attempt to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position, Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, job's got a worker for that.
3: that's T-Mobile.com unconventional unconventionalawards. I'll save you a seat. Willie Nelson,
0: Waylon Jennings, Chris Christofferson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer and the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true, untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer helped shape the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed the Boar's Nest, Sue's Place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer songwriters, Wounded Souls, Wayward Upstarts, would spur each other on to tap into something bigger, realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Bacharach as Shel Silverstein and T.J. Osborne as Johnny Cash, alongside a full ensemble cast, Audible invites you to enter the Boar's Nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of Outlaw Country Music. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest.
1: We're back with Rick Rubin and Kenny Beats. On the first track you played, there's guitar, and I want to talk about the use of guitar in current hip-hop because it feels like it's pretty ubiquitous. We're hearing a lot of guitar and hip-hop right now.
2: hundred percent. In my mind, the first person who comes up when you say that or the first people who come up when you say that are Atlanta, and it's definitely like the the term on reddit or the term in the on the in the twitch chat or in the youtube chat right now would be gunna type beats that's what people would say if you're using just like we heard those kind of real pretty acoustic kind of strummed things or kind of almost beautiful flamenco type or brazilian type chords but they're kind of just spaced out and the drums smack that's something that gunna little baby thug a lot of people in atlanta i think were the ones that people were looked to and they took from that Recent trend. And I know within my friend group or with the producers I talk to, that's what you refer to when you hear that sounds like, oh, it sounds like some Gunna shit. And that's Wheezy on the production there. Shout out to Wheezy. I feel like also Frank Ocean really
1: inspired some of that, even maybe even before that. I felt like Frank had a lot of guitar in his music when nobody did.
2: Definitely. And I think Frank's rawness is one of the things that so many people are referring to when they say things that sound like Frank or feel like Frank or this and that. It's the fact that Frank can do so much with so little, but you put him in the same area in your brain where you put Tyler or someone like that because of the time he came out and the era where you heard him. So it seems kind of like shocking for you to think like, oh wow, like I have an artist of my time period who is down to do a ballad that I can really relate to and this and that. And I think Frank holds that place in so many people's hearts because his music is just that guitar in him. Or just that piano and hammer are just so to the point. Yeah. Have you noticed flute being popular? Huge. It's in a ton of my beats. Um,
1: <laughs> what is it? What? Why is it? I mean, I love the flute. I was so happy to hear it make its reemergence.
2: Within the uh, Beatmaker subculture, after Future did this song called Mask Off, people kind of put an, an, an X on the flute because it was so prevalent and Everybody was putting it in every beat at this one point in like 2017, 2018. There's this one Omnisphere patch that has been wasted <laughs> on so many millions of songs now. But I will say one production thing that was very interesting about the use of flute and all these beats that you hear is there's uh, these producers named Q Beats and they're German. They don't, come over to the States much from what I understand. They don't want to be in the session. They're not trying to hang out with everybody, but they're unbelievable instrumentalists. And they work with a lot of unbelievable instrumentalists. And so many of the biggest, most amazing rap songs you heard in the last few years trace back to Frank Dukes and trace back to Q beats. And these German producers and musicians are making these almost classical esque kind of little compositions and samples and things and sending them back and they're using bassoons and flutes and cellos and shit. Are they that, putting
1: are they putting beats on it as well or or people are sampling that and using it in conjunction with new beats?
2: They're sending them as samples. And when I was when I was 18 years old, I met Frank Dukes at a record fair. I was selling vinyl records for my girlfriend at the time's older brother. I met Q tip, I met Rock Marcy and I met Frank Dukes. And Frank Dukes had recently Um, been in this magazine, this producer magazine that no longer is around, but they were talking about how he did all these beats for 50 Cent and this and that. And he told me as a young kid, I'm starting to work with these bands, which at the time was bad, bad, not good. And I didn't know this, but I'm working with all these bands and all these musicians. And then I'm sending these compositions I make out to a lot of producers that I'm friends with or that I know, and they're flipping them like samples. And he told me this literally 11 years ago. And I think it's really what hip hop production is now for a lot of people is you get this sample you get this thing from splice you get this thing from another producer and then you flip it you do drums on it and or you make a sample you send it to someone they flip it and it's such the norm now that to see like these kids from germany thinking let's go a little more classical let's go super musical blah 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 and let's just send it to people like samples and we'll let these people treat them like samples that's a big influence on you hearing certain things like a flute or an accordion or some weird shit that becomes a trend in hip hop, it might be because like there's this circle of sample makers or producers at blah 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 are kind of hearing this next wave and saying, Oh, we're gonna lean heavy on acoustic and send that to every big rap producer right now. That's the honest truth of a lot of a lot of records getting made. And I have someone whose name will not be spoken who is the most amazing flute player ever. And when I need a flute, I got a guy. <laughs> Great.
1: Do you have any samples
2: of um what you might get from Germany? Oh yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty like it's almost insane how much stuff q have done but uh there's a q Beats samples playlist hold on let's see
1: this is the same basically as in the old days of you know crate digging it's the same it's the same
2: thing totally like here here's a good great example <laughs> So uh, I believe Goosebumps, Travis Scott, um, Cardo, and Q Beats.
0: I get those goosebumps every time. I need that high. Throw that to the side. I get those goosebumps every time. Yeah, when you're not around. When you throw that to the
2: side. Those strings make me feel like Eleanor Rigby strings run through a, a broken cassette, run yeah. through a burnt-out VCR or something. It has the harmony of classical things or of things that are like really almost out of reach for even me and a lot of like normal listeners when you're thinking about, hmm, what am I going to go sample or normal producers? What am I going to go take from? I, I don't lean classical. That's just me. I didn't grow up really listening to jazz and classical. So those were things I've had to educate myself on. So for people who really do play that kind of music or make that music or understand that harmony, when they send me a pack of things like that, it's like this world I wasn't able to tap into and makes me take it a whole different place than i'd be able to if i was making those strings myself yeah
1: so great so great it it definitely sets up a mood to build from and interestingly as soon as the beat comes in the mood really shifts like when you listen to the the piece as it's in its uh non-beat form it gives you one mood and then when the beat comes in it really changes and in
2: a beautiful way and that's cardo that's America, that's Texas, that's our drums. And like, that's a song right there where people stole Cardo's drum flow for the next six months after that became the biggest record in the world. And then producers over here were trying to steal those sounds from Q-Beats, but it's that weird amalgamation of like these people from another world who make another kind of music, they're sending stuff to this hip hop producer. And then he's so inspired that he inspires this artist that inspires this huge record. It's It's a really cool thing. And that's like, Given a lot of people a shot who aren't necessarily the drum guy, the beat guy, blah, 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 but play beautiful instruments and want to be involved in these records. And for me, the only thing with this new shift in the dynamic of like people accepting so many samples and flipping samples from other producers rather than records is it's the same with a record. And you got to make sure things are cleared and the business is right. And beyond that, you got to give them a co-pro. And people try to, treat things sometimes when it, when it's a sample like our old record it's you're not co-producing with like the thousand people who might have played strings in an orchestra that you, you know, took from but now if it's someone who sat there and they made this thing at their home studio or whatever with the musicians that they know and they sampled it to you and you use that and you flip it i think co-pro is the best way to show someone like man i really respect this thing that you did and the fact that all of the harmony and all of the chords and all of the sounds and all these things are this person who's sending me stuff. And even though our producers over here who have the names or have everything might be able to just flip something really quick and have it go to be a big placement, you gotta make sure you give people that love because they're producers too. They're not just samples the way we think of old samples. You know, they're your co-producer.
1: We were gonna go backwards and talk about grime in relation to what's going on now in the UK just for reference because I feel like grime never really broke in the
2: US I think the closest grime came was Dizzy Rascal and they consider Dizzy grime for sure but he was someone over here who I think with the album was called boy in the corner that was something that I remember listening to as a very very young kid and being like what is this sound what is this slang what are these beats blah 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 and it's the only time I remember feeling that way until like years and years later where I found like a skepta or I found someone else. But I think rather than all the drill stuff we were talking about, one of the people who's really influenced by like the energy of grime, more so than the beats necessarily or whatever, is someone like Slow Tie. And that's someone who I work with very closely and someone who I really love. But Slow Tie is so foreign and weird. He's not even from London. He's from way outside, a couple of hours outside in Northampton. He's very unique. He gets on things that sound closer to talking heads than UK beats half the time. And there's no place to put him in the UK. So when he comes over here, there's just as little of a place to put him. And that makes it almost easier for him to kind of like acquiesce with the trends here and find his way in the States than someone who's so routed in a scene of drill, the UK scene, this and that. Ty is like a Dizzy Rascal to me. Dizzy Rascal was just so weird and so different, I think, that it worked anywhere because you couldn't really place him or his voice or anything. And Grime, much like Drill at the time, I think you had to kind of be a fan of the UK or dig deeper to understand how the subgenre works, what the, the things that you have to stick to to make a Grime record are. I think in the, in the US it's like, who's this weird new artist from the UK and they don't think into the, the title. Do you want to play something from Slow Ty? Oh, definitely. This was the original thing that put me on the slow tie a couple years ago. When I heard this. I was like, oh, I don't know who the fuck this is. It had a UK beat, but it was nothing like anything else. Bad to the bone, yeah. He's a legend.
1: Such a cool voice.
2: So fucking cool. But even what he said, like the class count dunce, like... Dizzy Rascal was the boy in the corner. It's this kind of Dennis the Menace persona. They don't really fit in almost anywhere, but they're the link for a lot of people to dig into the UK because they're such a weirdo. People go, oh, I like this. And then you start to find out like what the norm is there. And you're like, oh, this wasn't even the norm where they're from, but it led me to where they're from, you know? And that's true of Ty for a lot of people and for Dizzy a lot of people. But Ty is not associated with something the way Dizzy is associated with grime. I don't think anyone calls Slow Ty a drill rapper
1: mm-hmm who would you say is the premier drill rapper from the uk
2: eddie one yeah i would say i mean he's he's the one that people over here can immediately pick out and talk about and know the drake song and can you know what i mean say so he had a song come out with uh fk twigs just like he's very much in the conversation in the u.s now in a way that people who are having platinum on platinum on platinum records in the uk are not some of the time and it really bothers me and it's something that i've really like Tried to use my platform for non-stop over the last year, because I took about five trips to the UK in uh, 2019. And I was there even in February in 2020, right before lockdown, and put out about 30 songs with UK artists in the last year. And so it's 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 really a place I really care about, and I think really has so much influential music in so many areas, but rap especially right now.
1: That's really exciting. And it's good. it's good for the world for the UK hip-hop scene to blow up.
2: I think the same thing. I think it leads us to the next one. I can't wait till. Like, I can't, I I can't wait till it's a a language that none of us can speak that influences us the way that has. Cause it's English. You know, we can still get in there even if there's a lot of slang terms about man on road and this and that and things that people don't understand mean the trap and mean this and that here. You can still kind of get the gist of it. When Tie says, I'm like Christmas, why be Scrooge? Like you're, you're following it. But I think, that's as far as it goes for a lot of people. I don't think a lot of people can really um, understand the deep slang terms and the deep things that go on in the UK, let alone a country with a different language. So I think once a group like PL from France or like someone from Japan can come over here and have a record that people can really fuck with. It's like, think about, uh, what was that? 99, my blue balloons. Yeah. That shit was a huge hit in the States, not even in English. So it's like, I think there's a world where the energy... From someone, even like a Keith Ape, like there's so many people from across the world that could have that same effect. But the UK is a start. The UK is a good start. Yeah, and I, I
1: honestly, I don't want to understand the slang. That's what makes it feel like it's coming from somewhere else. If it's when I hear English English rappers using American slang, I feel like why am I listening to this? Totally, it it completely defeats the purpose. If you do, do you know what I'm saying? It's like I, I want
2: it to be their music I want their music a thousand percent I think that's the truest thing ever but but what's crazy is like I was saying before they have so much respect for what we do over here and they are very very much tuned in a lot of those guys I was mentioning those drill rappers like I've had conversations with them about U.S. hip-hop and who they're listening to and the trends and this and that but they still do their thing and they they are not trying to emulate it even if they are the biggest fans even if they can talk about how much they like some record you don't hear that slang term popping up you know and that's something that uh, US rappers are the most guilty of or US artists in general it's like if there's a popping song with someone from a specific part of the country and they use that slang term trust me you're gonna hear it in Florida and in New York and everywhere yeah Yeah, it's gone it's like J Electronica had that bar about New York rappers calling us lame but they jacking our slang and that was like that ghetto boys era you were talking about. It's like New York at one point was like, we don't know what this is. We don't understand any of this. And then you end up taking the slang terms and a lot of the bounce and this and that. Like Once Lil John's on the radio, trust me, there's some crook music getting made in Brooklyn. I promise you. Absolutely. Cool, man.
1: Thank you for doing this.
2: Of course.
0: Thanks to Kenny Beats for taking the time out to talk with us again. Be sure to check out our playlist of songs mentioned in this episode at brokenrecordpodcast.com. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash podcast, where you can find extended cuts of new and old episodes. And you can follow us on Twitter at Broken Record. Broken Record is produced with help from Leah Rose, Jason Gambrell, Martin Gonzalez, Eric Sandler, Jennifer Sanchez, with engineering help from Nick Chafin. And our executive producer is Mia LaBelle. Broken Record is a production of Pushkin Industries. And if you like the show, please remember to share, rate, and review us on your podcast app. The music's by today's guest, Kenny Peets. I'm Justin Richmond. Peace.
3: Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect with more than 100